0: You are listening to a Monash Christian Union Bible Talk. We encourage you to share this with friends and family, but ask that you do not edit it without the permission of the owners. This Bible Talk is designed to supplement belonging to a local church with its teaching and community, not to replace it. We pray this talk helps you love Jesus and become more like him. Hello, Kiralee. Uh, Welcome to um, Fireside Chats. It's great to have you.
1: Thank you. It's great to be here.
0: Um, so, uh, I think most students know you, but you've been on long service leave for a bit. So, uh, maybe fill us in. What's one highlight from long service leave?
1: Uh, yeah, it was a good time. I got to go to Japan with a friend for a couple of weeks and that was a massive highlight. I'd never been before. It was my first time. We got to see cherry blossoms. We got to eat great food. We had beautiful weather the whole time. So, and I got to hold a hedgehog, which was pretty amazing.
0: Yeah. Cool. That's such a different, a hedgehog. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah, so I cute. I only think of the chocolate like a snack when I think of a <laughs> hedgehog, but it's true. It's an animal, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah and they're really, really cute.
0: <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, tell us a little bit about, a little bit about yourself because um, most of the first years won't know really who you are. Sure. So fill us in. Who is Kiralee?
1: Gosh. Well, I think we'd better start with Kiralee as a child of God. Uh, yeah. Loved by God. Paid for by the blood of Jesus. Uh, looking forward to the resurrection.
0: I think Dan said the exact same thing. Oh, last that's week, really interesting. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. a um, coming.
1: Yeah, I think because I don't want to put like likes and personality traits ahead of those very important things. But uh, yeah, in terms of humanly speaking, Kiralee is an introvert. Uh, I love alone time. I love reading books. I love going for walks in nature. I love sunshine. Uh, yeah. I have had a whole bunch of different jobs. Uh, So I said at TNT the other night, I have worked in retail. I've worked in um, banking administration. I've worked in a call center. I worked in a library. uh, And now I'm in ministry at CU. So I've had a varied history. Uh, And yeah, I think uh, it's been amazing to see God's grace to me in so many different ways across my life.
0: Yeah. Yeah, just Give us a sneak peek into who's your family, who's in, who's involved in your life in that way.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so it's complicated. <laughs> My family's a very complicated beast. Uh, so I have a mum and a stepdad. I have a dad and a stepmum. I have one full sibling. I have two half-siblings and two step-siblings, as well as aunts and uncles and cousins and all of those things. Yep. Yeah,
0: cool, yes. It sounds complicated. It is extremely <laughs> complicated, but,
1: uh, you know, we are, uh, yeah, we're we're working on it. Uh, not yep. many in my family are Christian, so mm. that's a really big thing for me, wanting to be a faithful witness to Christ in my family.
0: Yeah, so how did you come from banking, retail, all these very jobs into Christian ministry?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, it's something that I was thinking about from the time that I was a student. So my very first summit when I was at CU as a student in the early 2000s, so you can work out how old I am. Um, I heard loud and clear uh, that Christians ought to be thinking about how we can pass the gospel on to the next generation. And the really clear call was, uh, will that be you? Why not? Like, why not you? And I, I was pretty sure that God would say, yeah, definitely not you. To me, Uh, I was pretty sure that there were so many reasons why it wouldn't be me. But the call was, you know, actually, why don't you pray? Why don't you ask God? Why don't you consider whether God might use you in that way? And that question never really went away for me. So I continued praying about it and mulling over it for years. So I worked in the bank for five years after I finished uni. And I stayed in touch with the staff workers at CU over that time. And uh, basically, it just came to the point where... I'd been talking about it for a long time. I'd been praying about it for a long time. And I thought, you know, in the end, a ministry apprenticeship is two years out of my life to test out whether God might use me in this way. Uh, And in the end, if... God says, no, not you. That's okay. Like, that's not a waste of my time. That will mean I'm better trained. It'll mean I've been able to serve for a couple of years in that way. And I'll also have an answer to this question that I've been worrying about for a long time. So, um, yeah, I came and did a ministry apprenticeship here at Monash. And, uh, yeah, it turns out that God said, yeah, go ahead. So it was a long process. I think it Hmm. took probably seven years of praying and thinking and waiting on God to even launch into the apprenticeship, yeah.
0: Yeah, and then when you finished your apprenticeship, you mm. didn't start CU ministry full-time straight away, did That's you? That's right, yeah. yeah.
1: So I stayed on part-time doing sort of a, an extra year of my apprenticeship and I started at Bible College at Ridley. Uh, so I was doing both of those things at once. And I spent seven years at Bible College, which is longer than most people do, but uh, I really liked all of the subjects on offer and I wanted to do as many of them as possible. So I stayed there for a long time while sort of doing a bit of admin for CU in the background, but not being on campus very much. And then as I came to the end of my Bible College, I was thinking about what should I do next and I was praying about that. And I had some options sort of on the go and the thing that I thought I was going to do Fell through unexpectedly. And I was talking to a lot of people and thinking, I don't know, I just don't know what to do. And as I was talking to someone about it, uh, I realised the main reason I wasn't thinking about coming back to CU was because I felt like you should do something different. Um, Like, you know, you should have variety or you shouldn't just go back to what's comfortable because it's comfortable. But as I thought about it, actually, the ministry at CU was kind of everything I was looking for and i think gifted for in uh yeah in the types of ministry that i'm able to do and what the year looks like and all those sorts of things so as i was talking to people that became clearer that it was still a good option uh, even mm. if it was something i'd done before
0: yeah and throwing a random question at you sure. what's if it sounds like you were a Bible college connoisseur, if we put that <laughs> one, doing lots of different subjects. True. Uh, what was the best subject?
1: Oh, that's so hard to pick.
0: Yeah. This is why I said this is going to be a hard question. Yeah. There we go.
1: Yeah. I mean, so many of them were good in so many different ways. I think one that really helped me uh, in terms of how I serve my church, it was probably two that really helped me in terms of how I serve my church, which is um, Christian worship, uh, which is about why do we do what we do in the church, uh, particularly in our big gatherings and what's the sort of theology and, and ministry philosophy behind that. Um, and then uh, theology of the church, um, which was a, a similar, but from a more theological and less practical perspective. So mm. that really helped me to think through my own kind of biases or feelings about why we do what we do when we gather together and um, to be a bit better thought through about those things.
0: Interesting. I was chatting to someone yesterday and they said that the, the worship unit was mm. their favorite unit. So, mm. There you go. Yeah, That's it was nice really helpful. I think unit. it's just very practical. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And did you have to do, read three books in two weeks or something? Apparently that was the Probably. The yeah. yeah.
1: That sounds about right. And we prepared a um, chapel service, a hip hop chapel service. A hip hop chapel Indeed. service. Indeed. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, right. Yep.
0: Um, the person I was talking to yesterday said they had to do a service of lament. That was okay. their yeah, yeah Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Hmm, probably a bit more... A service of lament is probably something you're more likely to see in a church and possibly more useful on a Sunday morning than a hip-hop service, at least yeah, in my context. That, North one's not really hip-hop. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> no, that's good fun. Hmm. Um, and if you could think about your time at CU, uh, back stretching the fairly long many years it's been now, um, what, what's one highlight you can pull from time oh. at CU? Just one.
1: I've been around CU for 20 years. It's very hard to pick just one highlight.
0: So, admittedly, I was born still. That's good (laughs) when you started at CU. Most of the first years weren't. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But yes.
1: Look, I think rather than one event or something like that, I think what I have to say is overall uh, seeing where CU was when I came as a student in the early 2000s and where it is now, just the way that God has been at work in the group the way that god's been at work on the campus that's an absolute highlight so seeing the group go from um, small but passionate to small and struggling to small and passionate again and then growing to where it is now people so excited to take the gospel to the campus people so excited for their own christian growth and so excited for how they can live for god in the rest of their lives Uh, i just feel like God's been incredibly gracious to us in mm. growing the club numerically, but also growing us in terms of maturity and in terms of outward lookingness to the campus in terms of our sense of mission. So, yeah, that's a huge highlight. And I think, yes, having the 20 years to be able to see that is really precious.
0: Absolutely. And I'm assuming Monash campus looks a lot different. Oh, it sure it does.
1: Do yeah. Yeah. There's certainly a lot more swanky food places than there used to be.
0: Oh, yeah. Used to be food poisoning in nearly every shop. Yeah. <laughs> uh- <laughs> I think I hear reports where back in the day there was like food poisoning at most of them depending on where you went oh that never happened to me so I guess I'm lucky some of the ones upstairs were not so good Uh, Um, I never
1: ate upstairs yeah fair enough
0: yeah well thinking through your time at CU um, there's I know there's an issue or there's something that Christians constantly have to think about um, that we thought we'd talk about a bit today which is spiritual gifts Mm. Um, and so uh, maybe let's just start with or, or why do you think that Tends to be a bit of an issue. I know this is maybe not a question you've thought through, but like why do you think that seems to be something that comes up? Because it seems to come up every few years, I reckon.
1: It does, yeah. I think there's a number of reasons for it. Part of it is that we are trying to figure out, like all of us as individual Christians are trying to figure out where do we fit in God's plans and purposes for the world and where do we fit in the life of the church and How can we best give ourselves to that? And so I think because we desire to give the best of ourselves, we can get caught up in thinking about, okay, well, then I have to do like quizzes or personality tests or whatever to figure out how I do that best. Um, So I think that's a sort of individual concern. And then there are movements in the church more broadly around the world that pop up from time to time, that challenge what we think about who the spirit is and what the spirit does. Um, So I'm thinking about when I was in, when I was just about to start uni, one of the big movements was um, being slain in the spirit. And it was a massive thing that went through a lot of churches in the U S and affected my church uh, in Singapore, where I was living at the time. Um, And that just forces us to think, okay, this is something outside of my experience. Do I think it lines up with what the Bible says about who the Spirit is and what he does? Uh, And does that mean that this should be happening everywhere? And so it's broader movements in the church that make us think that as well, Mm. yeah.
0: Yeah, well, we've kind of jumped the gun, but that's all right, we'll (laughs) backpedal now. Uh, Tell us, Kiralee, what are spiritual gifts?
1: Yeah, sure, yep. Um, So the way the Bible talks about spiritual gifts is as gifts of God's grace, So uh, there's a few passages that talk pretty in-depth about spiritual gifts. So Ephesians 4, Romans 12, 1 Peter 4, uh, and a couple of others. Um, Oh, and uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 as well. Uh, And in a lot of those passages, the word that's actually used for gifts is the same word that's used for grace. Um, So we're thinking about spiritual gifts as God's Grace to us. So the same grace that saves us in Christ is the same grace that God gives to people that gets translated as gifts, I guess, is what I want to say. So um, it's what God's grace looks like as we live it out in mm. the corporate life of the church.
0: Yeah, right. And I guess that makes sense of Ephesians 4. It says in Christ apportioned grace or gives gifts in that mm-hmm. same sense. Same yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But that's one we'll probably come back to in our conversation, I think. Yeah. 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 So... In 1 Corinthians 12, in verse 7, Paul describes uh, spiritual gifts as manifestations of the Holy Spirit, um, which uh, is, I think, basically just the Spirit showing himself to be working through us. So gifts of God, gra- God's grace, um, God's grace outworked in our corporate life and the Spirit showing himself to be at work in us, I think, is the, the kinds of um, themes that we're seeing as we look at spiritual gifts in the Bible.
0: Yeah, yeah so let's just clarify that a little bit mm. more. Where do the gifts come from? Because sometimes I think we kind of think it's like particular, I know it comes from me or it's, I don't know, there's Hmm. lots of different ways we go, but where where exactly do they come from?
1: Yeah, well, I think if we're talking about spiritual gifts as God's grace at work in us, then it has to come from God, right? It can't come from us. We can't um, sort of manifest them or initiate them ourselves. They have to come from God because they're gifts of God's grace. Uh, and actually, in 1 Corinthians 12, it tells us that spiritual gifts are given by the whole Godhead, by the Father, Son and Spirit. Um, so, yeah, the Trinity is united in giving these gifts of, of grace to us.
0: Mm, interesting. So, uh, if they're given by God, um, I guess the the question is, we often think about maybe some gifts as more important or some people might have gifts and other people don't. Mm. Who, who gets the gifts, like the spiritual gifts, the portions of Christ's grace or however you want to phrase that? Mm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think the Bible gives us a few different answers um, depending on how you look at it. So uh, for example, in Ephesians 4, we get more of the idea that um, spiritual gifts or God's grace in this way is given to individuals and particularly individuals in leadership in the church. So um, people who have got specific roles like teacher or pastor or evangelist. Um, So That passage starts off, at least, with us thinking about gifts given to people in leadership roles. But even in that passage, people with leadership roles are supposed to then equip the rest of the church for works of service. So uh, I read that as those in leadership roles should be using their gifts to help the rest of the church express their gifts and use them for the working out of God's grace. Um, And then I think other passages that we talked about before would also agree. So uh, all of the other passages say that spiritual gifts are given to every Christian. Um, Yeah, that every Christian has the the potential to exercise God's gifts of grace. Um, That doesn't mean every Christian should have and exercise every gift, um, which... I think is pretty obvious when we look at the way Paul talks about the church as a body, um, when he says every part needs all the other parts and no part should think that it's uh, better than the others or worse than the others because it has a particular role in the body. Um, every part's dependent on all the others and we need each other in the church because we all have different gifts and because our different gifts complement each other. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, I think to summarise, God gives his gifts of grace to individuals. He gives them to leaders in the church, but he also gives them to every Christian in the church uh, and also to the church as a whole, which I think is actually a really important point when we're thinking about it. It's not just about me and my gifts. It's about how do my gifts fit into the whole? How do my gifts serve the church? Uh, And I guess, yeah, how are all the gifts that God's giving to everyone complementing each other in serving the church?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So mm. that, that doesn't mean that I have to necessarily be the person that fills a particular spot in the church, yep. if that makes sense, that, mm. that God has given a gift to someone to fill that mm. role in the church.
1: Yeah, although that said, you absolutely can serve in ministries that are not a particularly good fit for you or are not sort of in line with the ways that God's gifted you um, if there's a need. like. So I think that's another trap that we can get caught up in is the idea that you know I'm gifted at kids' ministry and that's the only thing that I can do and that's the only place where I'm going to serve. Um, or, you know, I have to work to figure out what my one gift is and then I'll figure out where I can serve with it. I think actually a better way of thinking about it is to think what are the needs in my church now or my Christian community now and can I meet any of those needs, whether it's my happy place or not. So all of us have to do things in our roles that are not part of the uh, the, the stuff that really, you know, fires us up or that we're passionate about or that we feel God's particularly equipped us for. But sometimes it's still important and necessary to do those things. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's so many things there that I want to jump in on. <laughs> and so I'm trying to work out which, which bit to pull next, yeah, which sure. thread. Um, and I, I guess it's worth saying that there's the, the like, oh, what's my gift? I want to find my exact gift and serve in that way. Might work in a massive church, mm-hmm. but in a tiny church, probably doesn't work as well because everyone needs to be serving in probably multiple ways.
1: Yeah, that's right. And I think part of what it, what that mindset does also is it makes you not serve until you're sure of where your gift is. And I think that's actually really unhelpful because sometimes you need to try out three or four different things. Sometimes you need to stick at one thing for a while before God starts to grow that gift in you. So yeah, I think it can tend to make us a little bit, I don't know if, self-centered is quite the right word, but a bit focused on ourselves and thinking, you know, I have to have this all worked out before I can even think about serving God in any capacity. And I don't think that's the right mindset. The right mindset is let me jump in and serve and pray that God will use me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's really helpful. So you're saying that we should look for a need and jump in Mm. and serve. Yeah. And I, I, I guess that speaks to, we'll come back in a sec to the thing I want to pick up earlier, but I guess that the question that kind of flows from that is, um, what's the priority of finding your gift, if that mm. makes sense? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we often think, and it depends on your tradition and a bunch of things, mm. but like finding your gift is the prime thing you can do to have a fulfilling Christian life. Uh, is, that, is that how you would see it, that like that's the most important thing?
1: Yeah, I would not see it that way. Um, I think the prime thing you can do to have a fulfilling Christian life is to spend time in God's word and in prayer and nurture your relationship with him. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to say, oh, you should never think about how God's gifted you. Um, but often those things take time to develop and grow, so... Uh, I think an example I could give is uh, I love admin. It's something God has enabled me to do. It's something that I'm passionate about seeing done well, all of those sorts of things. But if you'd asked me when I was 17 what my spiritual gifts were, administration would not be one of them. Uh, If you'd asked me even when I was working in administration in the bank if that was a spiritual gift, I would have said no. Um, Whereas now I think, oh, I can see how God's built that up in me over many, many years Uh, And conversely, uh, so if I'm asked to take on a ministry role, um, so recently I was asked about a ministry role that is sort of focused on welcoming and building community and that sort of thing um, with a little bit of teaching. And I would then look at myself and think, okay, well, I, I know myself reasonably well and I could do that, like, you know, God could equip and enable me to do that. But actually welcoming and community building, there's other people who are really gifted at that and that would be a really good thing for them to have available to them. Like that's a place where they could just go for it and serve really well. So do I need to take on that role when there's other people who are gifted at it? No, I don't, but I could, if it was necessary. Yeah. Yep. So I guess, I guess what I'm saying is, yeah, we don't want to get too caught up in that's the main thing that we need to think about to have a fulfilling life. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah, so I guess that kind of helps us. Uh, I just want to pull on that a little bit further and mm. go. Um, so what then is the primary purpose of the gifts? Yep. Cause you know, We've all got different gifts, as we said. Every person in the church Mm. has different gifts. And we're going to jump back to a thing that you said just a second ago, which was everyone has the potential to exercise Mm. God's gift. I want to think about how do we get gifts in just a sec. But um, let's think about first, what's the purpose of the gifts Mm. in the church? Because that'll help us put it in priority, in the correct priority, I think.
1: Yeah, and I think every passage that talks about spiritual gifts is really clear that God's grace is given to Christians to serve in various ministries in order to build up or to edify the church. Um, you can say that especially in Ephesians 4 and in 1 Corinthians 14, um, but it's through all the passages, um, that spiritual gifts should be used to serve other people, that they should be used to equip all Christians for works of service. Um, so they build up the church as we serve other people and as we equip other people to serve. And the whole point of building up the church in those passages is so that we stand firm in our faith, um, so that we are all together growing towards maturity in Christ.
0: Mm. Yeah, so I guess that shapes how you, if you work out what you're gifted at, it, it shapes how you use that, I guess. Yeah. Because if you're using it in a way that isn't actually helping build the church, mm. but actually stomping on people or yeah. um, just edifying for you and no one else, Yeah, um, which I guess is where Paul kind of talks about tongues and various other things. In yeah, so
1: that would be, um, yeah, 1 Corinthians 14 is a good place to go to look at what are some examples of places where uh, people in the Corinthian church were not using their gifts to edify the church but to edify themselves and how Paul corrects that and says no this isn't about edifying yourself this is about building up the church.
0: Yeah yeah Mm -hmm. so with that kind of framework in mind of this is God's grace that's given to build up the church and that's Mm -hmm. the point of it then we can say we'll jump in and serve and see how that goes but let's let's think about that a little bit more so we've said that every person gets grace to Portioned or some gift given, um, but you said everyone has the potential to exercise the gift that God has given. I think that mm. was the words. Yeah. Um, and I, I know there's a bit of um, there's often a little bit of back and forth about how exactly do we get gifts, and yep. is there like a point that God gives His gift? You know, there's a there's a second filling of the Spirit, or or what? How do we get spiritual gifts? What's that yeah, process?
1: sure. So I think when I say everyone has the potential to exercise. The gifts that god's given them what i mean by that is kind of what i was saying before that sometimes it takes time to know what your gifts are sometimes it takes time to grow into them sometimes you actually do need to practice and be trained to use them well um sometimes god gives different gifts at different times in your life for various ministry roles so that's what i mean by everyone has the potential to exercise gifts i don't think we should see it as you know you suddenly know what your gift is and all of a sudden you're amazing at it and you never have to think about this again um That's what I mean by potential. I don't mean there's something special that has to unlock your gifts other than time and God's work in you, I think. So, um, yeah, we we already said it's God who gives people gifts of grace. So the question is how does he do that? And I think there's a few different um, beliefs or understandings about how he does that. So some Christians would say that after you become a Christian or after you've been baptised with water, You should expect to experience a second baptism of the Spirit which allows you to speak in tongues as the evidence that you really have received Christ and received that Spirit baptism. Uh, And that idea comes from Acts 2 in Pentecost where the Spirit comes on the disciples and they all start to speak in tongues and there's other places in Acts where there's a similar pattern where people believe and then sometime later they receive the Spirit. Um, So people who would hold that view would say that what the disciples experienced in Acts 2 should be normal, like that should be the norm for all Christians in all times and places. Um, But I would say that that's a misreading of Acts. I don't think Acts is meant to be a how-to manual. It's meant to be a description of how the gospel spread from its small beginnings into this global community of believers. So we do get these stories in Acts of people believing and then sometime later receiving the Spirit, And that's meant to be a description of what happened at that time. It's not meant to be a a norm or a prescription for how things should be for all time. Uh, And when you read through the whole of Acts, you also see there's plenty of other times in Acts where the Spirit comes upon people before water baptism or the Spirit comes at the same time as water baptism. So I don't think Acts is meant to be a template for us to follow on that. And I think...
0: um, And 1 Corinthians 13 is helpful in that, with not everyone speaks in tongues and not everyone... I think it's 1 Corinthians 13 14. 14, Yeah. Thank
1: you. Yeah. Yeah. And actually 1 Corinthians is really helpful. I think, um, yeah, 1 Corinthians 12, I think, makes a really powerful argument against a second baptism or at least a second baptism that results in the speaking of tongues because Paul says in that chapter that the Corinthian Christians have all been baptised by one spirit. That's already happened. They have been baptised. But later in the chapter we find out that not all of them are able to speak in tongues. So... And Paul doesn't see that as a problem. He doesn't say, oh, it shows that some of you haven't received the Spirit because you can't speak in tongues. He just sees it as a sign of the diversity of gifts that God's given the church. So uh, I don't think that second baptism or spirit baptism is something that Christians today should expect. I think uh, we should expect that when we have received Christ, we have received the Spirit. Yeah, Yeah. And I I think another way that people think about it is... um, Anointing as well, and sometimes people are really using that in the same way as spirit baptism, so it's like a second experience of the spirit after you've become a Christian. Um, but that's not how the New Testament uses the language of anointing. So um, when it does talk about Christians being anointed in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and in 1 John chapter 2, It's talking about the anointing that they received from Christ when they believed in him, and the purpose of that anointing is not to give them spiritual gifts, but to help them stand firm in their faith. So, yeah, I would say we don't get spiritual gifts through a second spiritual baptism. We don't get it through a spiritual anointing, but uh, the New Testament, I think, overwhelmingly says Christians receive the Holy Spirit at the moment that they receive Christ. And I think given everything that we've said about the Spirit working to, um, yeah, what the Spirit does and who the Spirit is, um, that he opens our hearts to the gospel and he brings us to salvation and he unites us to Christ and fellow Christians and he helps us understand God's word. And given what we know about the unity of the Father, Son and Spirit in the Trinity, there really is no way that we could expect to receive Christ without receiving the Spirit. Like that just, it wouldn't work in terms of how the Bible talks about the Father, Son and Spirit together. So um, yeah, I so how we get spiritual gifts is God gives them to them, gives them to us, and we receive the Spirit at the same time as we receive Christ, that is when we believe. Yeah.
0: Mm. Carly, it kind of just seems so ordinary. yeah, in some ways. like um, I think that's the thing when we think about spiritual gifts, we always think these extraordinary, amazing things. but the the framework you've just given us kind of seems pretty ordinary in the sense that we've been given. Spiritual gifts when we receive the spirit, we work it out over time as we seek to serve and build up the church yep um yeah why why is that so ordinary I guess like why <laughs> I don't know how to phrase this question, but um like, yeah, uh, what if I want it to be this kind of extraordinary thing? Do you have any comments on that
1: mm, yeah uh Read 1 Corinthians. (laughs) So I think I I get that. I really do. Uh, And I have those moments where I think, oh, I don't have the gifts that I want to have, or I wish I had a more spectacular gift or whatever. Um, So I do sympathize. I think part of the reason, though, that we think that way or that we feel that way is because we want to be extraordinary. So a little bit like, you know, Adam and Eve saying I want to make the rules and do it my way. Uh yeah, we have this sort of lack of humility before God, I think, to say what you've given is good and right and fit for purpose because we actually want either we want to look good, and honestly at our heart of hearts, I think we can admit that that we want to look good and impressive and spectacular and we want other people to think well of us as well. Um but also I think we do want to give our best to God and it feels like we should be able to give better. Yeah. So I think that's maybe another motivation for wanting spectacular gifts, feeling like I'm not giving my best if I'm doing administration or if I'm cooking food for somebody or whatever that it would be my best to be performing miracles and healings and stuff. And Again, I think either it's a, a pride thing and a lack of humility before God, or it's a misunderstanding of what God's actually asking of us. Uh, yeah, thinking that we need to be, in some way, special or extraordinary or earn favor with God, which we know from the gospel is not the case. So yeah, yeah. Let's
0: just think about that a little bit more. So um, what we I think we what are, we quite often. Left feeling if we don't say have an extraordinary spiritual gift and we don't do all these amazing things is that somehow we either are less sure of our salvation or that maybe we've got like we're like a second rate Christian or something like that. Mm. Um, Do you want to just speak to that?
1: Yeah, sure. I think that exactly comes back to all of Paul's body language. Um, Not his body language as in like he's waggling his hands or whatever, but (laughs) his language about the body um, where he says. Nobody should consider themselves above anyone else. Nobody should consider themselves less than anyone else. uh, That God has placed the parts in the body exactly as He wanted them to be. Uh, And in fact, we get that specifically in the language of spiritual gifts that God has given the gifts, the Spirit has determined uh, the gifts exactly as He's intended and for the purpose that He's intended it for. So um, if we trust God, then we can leave this in his hands. Um, I'm not sure if that actually answered the question. Yeah, I've got mentally sidetracked.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like there is no... We don't have a kind of two classes of Christians. There's no like people that have these spiritual gifts and people that don't have these spiritual gifts. No, no. Everyone is in Christ Mm. and that's the most important thing. There's no like... Second rate Christian that yeah. somehow dipped out. On
1: yeah, exactly. The yeah. Spirit. And I think even if you feel like, oh, what if I haven't got a spiritual gift? I don't know what it is. Um, that doesn't mean you don't. It just means that it, you haven't grown into it. You haven't had a chance to exercise it. You know, you haven't received the training you need to use it well. Any of those things. Um, or God is using you, and very likely, God is using you in ways that you don't realize. Mm. Uh, and some of the time, we don't realize that the things we're doing, are uh, really serving the church in a way that um, is different from others. Like, if you know what I mean. So in a way that is putting our particular piece into the jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. Um, sometimes because it's something we're already doing or already comfortable with, or we feel like we're doing okay with, we don't realize how unusual it is or how helpful it is to the church. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it, um... nope, total mind blank. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> and something useful Uh, to add there oh yeah that's what I think maybe it's a moment also uh that if we are really struggling to work out how a gift is just to reflect and say are we we actually serving in any way yeah because if we're just kind of sitting in the back of church just kind of you know coming going not doing anything else and we're not serving the church in any way yeah it's pretty hard to work out what spiritual gift you have yeah or how God's gifted you in any particular way
1: yeah and I think that's why I would say jump in and serve somewhere because if it's not the right fit you'll know pretty quickly yeah. and um, it may be something that you can, yeah, that you can still contribute to even if it's not yeah. your passion, your happy place, whatever. Yeah, and if yeah. you serve faithfully even yeah. if it doesn't, you, you do mesh. Yeah, you'll yeah.
0: be a blessing anyway. Um, mm. Excellent. We've covered a lot of ground. Yeah. Uh, the kind of place I, I guess that I think would be helpful to end on is people have different views about gifts like prophecy, tongues, um, healing, those kind of things, whether they continue now, whether they don't. Mm. Um, and there's like, there's, I think there's a million different views on spiritual gifts. Do you want to just give us what are kind of the, the biblical bounds, I guess, to um, what are some biblical views and what are some extra or outside of the Bible kind of views that we should stick clear of, if that makes yeah, sense? Yeah,
1: sure. Yep. Um, so you're right. The main, one of the main areas where people disagree is about whether all of the gifts are still sort of in circulation. Um, or whether there are some of them that God doesn't give out anymore. Um, And that comes up especially with the more extraordinary or sort of supernatural looking gifts, things like tongues and healing and miracles and uh, maybe what some people would call prophecy. Although I think that's, I think the way the Bible describes prophecy is maybe a bit different from what we usually think of. But anyway, that's a whole other, a whole other thing. Um, So yeah, what would, what leads people to, think that God doesn't give spiritual gifts. I think it's helpful to unpack the different views and kind of look at how the Bible does or doesn't support that view um, to sort of come to a a consensus. So in 1 Corinthians 13, 8 to 10, it says, where there are prophecies, they'll cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it will pass away. Uh, And then Ephesians 2.20, the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ as the chief cornerstone. So... People who would say God doesn't give spiritual gifts anymore would understand those passages to be saying there was a time in the early church where spiritual gifts were necessary, like when the Bible hadn't been put together yet, and it was really important that the apostles were gifted to lay the foundation of the church on the gospel of Christ so that the truth didn't get distorted. But then once the Bible was complete, spiritual gifts aren't necessary anymore. So since that time, they've passed away. So that's what uh, people who hold that view would argue.
0: All spiritual gifts or just some spiritual gifts?
1: It depends on the person. Okay, yeah, yeah. You can, There are people with both views. Um, so I think the 1 Corinthians passage is actually talking about what will happen when Christ returns and not about what will happen when the Bible is completed. Um, And I don't think the Ephesians passage is talking about spiritual gifts. If you've done um, Making Sense of the New Testament at CU before, you'll know that Ephesians is talking about Jewish and Gentile Christians being built together on the foundation of the Apostles' testimony about Christ. So uh, I don't think that passage is about spiritual gifts. Um, So I think that's, yeah, that's a place where I would probably say I'm not sure Scripture speaks strongly enough to uphold that view. Um, And other people like uh, John Wesley, who's a very important Christian leader in church history, would have argued that spiritual gifts fell out of use because the church was spiritually declining and because Christians were apathetic. And it's kind of like a muscle that wastes away if it's not exercised. And I do think there's some truth in that. I think we can uh, overvalue some gifts at the expense of others. So then there are some that, you know, people feel kind of like, oh, it's not worth exercising this gift or, um, you know, we just sort of, we don't see it very much in the church because we don't value it very much. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't give gifts anymore. It just means we don't notice them or we don't exercise them. So that's one view. There are other people who would say all the gifts continue into the present day. Um, and where they would go in the Bible to say that would be 1 Corinthians 1, 1.7, which says that the Corinthians don't lack any spiritual gift as they wait for the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. Um, so from that verse, people would argue that every spiritual gift that's mentioned in the New Testament must continue until Christ returns. Uh, and I think there, there is some logic to that, right? Because if the gifts are meant to build up the church towards maturity in Christ, then we should expect that those gifts will be given until he returns, But we also want to hang on to some context there. So in that verse in 1 Corinthians 1, Paul is talking to a church who are totally puffed up and proud of how spiritual and wise they are, even though the rest of the letter shows that they're not spiritual and wise. Uh, And they're looking outside of Christ for spiritual power and wisdom. So Paul's point here is not confirming that every spiritual gift is still in circulation. His point is they already have everything they need in Christ. So those are kind of some for and against on those two major positions. There is a middle ground as well. So um, some people would say that uh, some of the gifts have ceased, but others still continue. So, uh, for example, prophets and apostles were gifted to prepare the foundation of the church. But because that foundation has been laid and now we have God's authoritative word in the Bible, we don't need uh, those eyewitness verbal testimonies. Uh, Of the prophets and apostles anymore, so those gifts aren't there. But uh, there's similarities between those gifts, which might have ceased, and um, sort of still proclamation gifts in preaching and teaching and evangelism. Um, So if they're
0: they're the kind of say three, well, that's I guess it's a spectrum, If you will, um, then we'd kind of say that like there's biblical support for most of that. But to a certain extent, you wouldn't necessarily break fellowship over that or that kind of thing. Yeah,
1: I think it's really important to say that this is uh, an area that faithful Christians have disagreements on. And I think um, we're all trying to understand God's word as clearly and helpfully as we can. I think where it becomes a problem, yeah, where it becomes a problem is if somebody who holds whichever view is saying if you don't hold this view, you're not a real Christian and you need to sort of be converted, in air quotes, to my view of spiritual gifts. That is a real red flag for me uh, because, I guess because I can see how people come to these different views. And uh, I want to hold that this is somewhere where we want to try and understand scripture really well and we want to listen to God, um, but where for, I think, legitimate reasons, people can hold different views so yeah I I wouldn't want to say we should break fellowship over what view someone holds on this but I do think where somebody's saying you have to believe it this way or else you're not a real Christian that's really concerning to me and I wouldn't want to follow that person I suppose or I wouldn't want to agree with that yeah
0: is there is there a bound there where you go actually no this this, like these couple of views are like clearly non-biblical
1: where I would come to, and because of the things that I've said, is um, I, I don't think it makes sense to hold that God doesn't give spiritual gifts at all anymore.
0: I was thinking, sorry, I'm yeah. thinking more along the lines of um, some of the other views we hear, like second feeling of the spirit.
1: Oh, sure. Um, yeah.
0: Like apostolic appointment or... Yep. Um, the kind of like you have to be specially anointed, those sure. kind of things. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, that's helpful. Okay. Um, yeah, so I think from what we talked about before, it's pretty clear that, uh, yeah, it's not right to say we need a second baptism with the Spirit or a, an anointing with the Spirit in the sense, like when it means a second baptism, essentially. Um, I think we've seen from the Bible that that's not correct. Um yeah i think what we want to say is that god gives the church everything it needs including every spiritual thing whether that's spiritual gifts whether it's people whether it's resources in order to be built up and stand firm in faith and so i think regardless of what we think about like whether the gifts continue or don't continue what we want to hold is we can trust god to build his church towards maturity in christ for his praise and glory. That's what those passages tell us. Uh, And I think, yeah, where there are different views, we want to try and be gracious with each other, but also keep coming back to God's word uh, and seeing not only what it actually says, but seeing the context of what it says and seeing the, you know, having a sense of the, all the things we're talking about in our um, making sense of TNT courses, right? Context, the um, genre, of what's being written you know is this an instruction or is this uh just describing what happened um so i think we want to have those things really clearly mm. in our minds as we're looking at god's word and we want to be gracious with each
0: other and i guess yeah. that's particularly true of old testament narrative isn't that
1: yeah i think we want to be fairly careful about what we import from the old testament into the new i think we actually need a really robust view of what god's doing from beginning to end um rather than cherry picking verses which i think in see you you would know that staff workers are going to say, don't cherry pick verses. Hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. You know. hopefully, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, rather than picking a verse, whether it's from the old or new, to bolster your point. Instead, what we need is a really robust view of God's working in the world by his spirit in in his people, Israel, through to his people, the church, and what's similar and what's dissimilar about that. So for instance, I would say that prophecy is one of the things that's different in the old testament from the new um and that takes time to work out figure out read understand yeah
0: yeah Mm. no excellent there we've covered a lot of ground there (laughs) i feel like that was a
1: super messy answer but anyway
0: that's all right hopefully that's useful and helpful to everyone listening yeah uh, and we'll see
1: and Um, we can talk more about it you know this isn't the end of a conversation no the start of a conversation
0: any students have more questions i'm sure they can come and chat to you or me or other stuff yeah um I think this is a helpful thing for us to finish. Uh, Would you like to pray for us? I
1: would love to pray for us, yeah. Hmm. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your big plans and purposes that are way beyond us of uh, creating a people for yourself, saving your people from their sin through uh, the cross of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Thank you for the gift of your spirit uh, that now, as your people, we have the opportunity to Uh, To live as your people, as your spirit, empowers us to do that uh, in all the ways that the spirit works, and particularly as we've been talking about today in uh, the sense of gifting us to serve your church and build it up towards maturity in Christ. Um, Heavenly Father, we pray for those of us who are feeling anxious or um, concerned about what our gifts might be and how you're equipping us to serve. We pray that you would give us a deep assurance that uh, we have been saved in Christ and that we have received the spirit through him and that you will and you are using us to build up your church, even when we can't see it. And we pray, Lord, that you would grow us into a sense of confidence in your work in us and through us. Uh, For those of us who are feeling puffed up and proud about the spiritual gifts that we have, or uh, yeah, the spiritual impact that we have in our ministries father i pray that you would humble us under your mighty hand that you would remind us that these gifts that you may have given us are not for our own um, impressiveness or our own benefit but they're for service and so father i pray that you would make us servant-hearted and ready to pour ourselves out for the sake of the church Father, I pray that as your spirit is at work in each of us individually and in your church as a whole, uh, our own local churches, the church in Melbourne and Victoria and Australia and the world, Father, we pray that uh, as your church is built up and grown, as your spirit makes that possible, that you would be bringing glory to yourself now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Well, thank you, Caroline. My pleasure. For this lovely conversation. Thank you for listening to this Monash Christian Union Bible Talk. We long to see everyone at Monash University know a disciple-making disciple of Jesus Christ. If you have been blessed by this ministry and would love to support Monash Christian Union, you can do so via the link in the podcast description.